0: What's that sound? Mmm, what sound? That low humming. Hmm. Oh, uh, you're probably talking about my Chumba. Oh, so it's a robot vacuum that sucks trash up?
1: Mmm, sort of, but instead of sucking trash up, it just sucks. Oh. Like you. There it is. GONK!
0: Best Boys Podcast Chooms, I'm Best Boy Dan. Gonk, and I'm Best Boy Justin. That's right, we're coming at you to talk all that is cyberpunk in anime, and the anime that is cyberpunk. Yep, we got your
1: chooms, we got your gonks, we're gonna flatline it all the way to the bank, or something.
0: Yeah, but first we'll hit you with a little banter, and a little bit of news, and then we'll dig right into that juicy meat and potatoes. Mm, Yeah, that's Um, right. Up first... I want to play a little game. Are you ready, best boy Justin? I'm so ready. Okay. I read exactly one volume of one manga, and I anticipate you will not be able to guess which one it was, but I want you to try. Let me get
1: three yes or no questions before I guess, okay? Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Was it a physical uh, volume, or did you read it online? It was a physical volume. Physical volume. Okay. Was it a... Was it a rom-com? It was. It was a rom-com. Okay, okay.
0: Um, that was a good question. <laughs> that was are, a good narrow it down. Are the characters high school aged or adults? Uh... Oh, that's a good question. I kind of forgot. You forgot. Uh, I... No, they, they are adults. They are this. adults. They are for okay. sure 100% adults.
1: Okay. Um. Gosh, I don't know. Is it something I've read before? I guess that's more than three, but...
0: Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll give you another question. Uh, Yes, you have read it. I have I'm pretty read sure. it. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Is it haremia? It is not haremia. What is it?
1: I'll give you three guesses. Three <laughs> guesses? I don't even know that I yeah. can come up with three. I don't know what you've been reading. <laughs>
0: Um, was it Wotakoi? It was not. Was it Sweat and Soap? It was not. Are you ready for this one? Yeah, what was it? I read Catch These Hands.
1: Oh, you read Catch These Hands? Yeah, I've read that, obviously.
0: I really enjoyed it. I, uh, right before, I just went on a little family vacation, and right before it, I, um just happened to be near a Barnes and Noble and I swung in and I saw it and I like had a vague memory of you picking it up at some point point. Mm-hmm. and I was like I know Justin has this but like I'm really curious about it now so I uh I picked it up and that was I the only one I got a chance uh to read on my trip and I thoroughly enjoyed it yeah that was actually a recommendation from JP um when we were in Kinokunia that one time before FlameCon yeah So for those who don't know, it's basically about uh, two former high school delinquents, uh, one of which uh, challenges the other to a fight with the condition being if they win, they have to date each other. Uh, and of course, she wins, and they have to date each other, and uh, their kind of relationship develops from there, and it's it's super adorable. <laughs> it is. It's
1: really cu- it's really cute. the The main characters you have one who is like she's a former delinquent, and she still is kind of a delinquent, but she's like trying to change. And then you have the other one who has like successfully managed to blend into society, but is still like a delinquent underneath. Um, and their chemistry is really good. I have the second volume if you want to borrow it. Yes, I do want to
0: borrow it. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I I never would have guessed that. I didn't even remember that I had that. Yeah, I figured it was uh, a a good surprise for you. Um, But yeah, 10 out of 10 would recommend. Absolutely. Now you need to read My Divorced
1: Crybaby Neighbor next. I know, that is on my list actually. It's (laughs) it's getting really spicy in the second volume or season or whatever you call it.
0: Yeah. You know how I like my picante.
1: Yes. Oh my god, it's too picante.
0: <laughs> um, so the other thing I kind of want to like, just banter a little bit about is that My Hero Academia is straight fire right now. It's so good. I don't know what I was <laughs> expecting out of this season, but for it wasn't this, and it's been amazing. Yo, it kicked it up to 11. It's just like... And in hindsight, because didn't you rewatch My Hero not too long ago? I finished watching the the last.
1: Uh, I finished basically finished rewatching it right as the new season started.
0: Like it's been a while, but My Hero has some like really intense moments uh, throughout it. Like especially like some of the earlier like All Might fights and like scenes and um, you know like the Kamino Ward arc and all that sort of stuff, and even the Lemillion thing like is supposed to be really impactful even though they didn't do a great job with it but like right off the bat this season it's like shit's real yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) it's hard to talk about without like spoilers so i think we're gonna just like take like a quick spoiler minute just because i want to talk about it
1: yeah so go ahead and check in the show notes um i'll have it listed where the spoilers start and where they end um so go ahead and pause if you are not caught up on my hero and consult the show notes.
0: Spoilers. So, all right. Now that we've gotten through that, uh, let's talk about uh, Hawks. Yes, and we'll start like, with Hawks. Yeah, uh, the fact that he killed
1: a guy. <laughs> yeah, <they> fucking. <laughs> he killed, killed twice. I remember, and I remember thinking because you, you you said you had, this was the last part of the manga you had read, right? Yes, that was the last thing I knew that happened. So I, I didn't know this was going to happen, but I remember thinking to myself, because in the very first episode of the of this season, you had Hawks and he shows up where Twice is and he's like, "I my whole job is to be here because your power is too dangerous left unchecked. And I remember thinking to myself kind of offhandedly like, oh, I wonder if he's going to have to kill this dude. And then the second episode came and I was like, he's going to have to fucking kill this dude. And then the third episode came and he fucking killed that dude.
0: Yeah. And the thing I think that's interesting about it too, is that he did not leave him a choice. Yeah. Right. He, they did everything in the context of the show to say like, look, don't go any further, I will use deadly force if you put me into this position, right? Because you can't just have the heroes of, of this sort of, like, world just go around, like, killing people. It would be interesting, and then we could get, like, into some, like, you know, interesting, like, anti-hero conversations yeah, and kind of that blurred line and all that sort of stuff. But in the context of My Hero, this is a very much, like, black and white, good and evil sort of world. But uh, I think it was really interesting that they even put... That sort of character into that position, and and they're right though, like unchecked, twice as insanely powerful. Absolutely, yeah, and
1: that's why you know, knowing what his powers are, and seeing where the story was going, it it really did a good job of like leading you into it. But even still, the sequence still, even though they, like you know it's coming at a certain point, it still feels like dramatic and satisfying to watch. You know, yeah, like he's got a uh, really he he gets like an interlude um where he kind of reflects on some things and then you have the whole thing with Toga um yeah it was so it was so well done
0: yeah i think they have done a really good job of kind of establishing Twice's character like he had a really good uh episode last season too so like his death really meant something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> Unlike uh, the guy they left alone with uh, Shigaraki, I
1: knew he was coming. Like obviously, I knew he was coming back
0: because the story's not over,
1: right? But like, I, I was there was room for it to happen another way until they left him alone with a hero that we've never seen before and only the, uh, just learned
0: his name that episode. I'm like, oh yeah, so this guy's definitely dead. But like, also, what a wild display of power yeah that
1: was crazy i wasn't expecting the 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 destruction to be that kind of scale um also we need to talk for just one moment about um mount lady
0: uh <laughs> i forgot when about she
1: that. fell on fat gum or almost fell on fat gum and his response was oh my god a bottom and you just have a full screen view of mount lady's ass um, so yeah. there are some people who are very satisfied with that
0: oh i'm sure but i mean we all know that mirko is is new Best oh girl. absolutely yeah i mean <laughs> we haven't
1: even talked about mirko yet we we did talk about her a fair amount on the our episode of the what to watch guide for the fall 2022 um, but yeah mirko she's amazing she's a battle but, maniac yeah. she's got cool powers Um, She's Also,
0: we didn't really delve into it, and since we're in spoiler territory, let's just take this last opportunity before we bring everyone back to talk about how badass she was when she had, like, the Nomu's, like, tentacle spear through her leg, and she was still, like, kicking through the glass. Oh my god,
1: I think, though, like, the even more badass part was when, like, the Nomu literally twisted her arm into pulp, and she just kind of, like ties a tourniquet on it and just keeps going and like her arm is like literally completely destroyed um and she's just like ah fuck it i don't need this (laughs) yeah
0: just full tilt yeah yo, she was awesome uh all right everyone spoilers over you can all come back now welcome back best buds spoiler territory is over uh, and that's the wrap-up of my uh, banter section. I'm really interested to get into this next topic.
1: Yeah, with you. because we're not quite leaving My Hero territory yet. Um, but I wanted to uh, kind of discuss something I had seen on the internet uh, in meme format. And I was, it made me think a little bit. And I was like, okay, let's, let's, talk, let's talk this one out on the pod. And what I'm going to present is Mineta from My Hero versus Denji from Chainsaw Man. Now Yo, this
0: has been all over the internet
1: yes because Mineta is like right, I think rightfully so kind of condemned as a character for being like really disgusting towards his female classmates and just like kind of being like a weird uh incel adjacent like weirdo character right but like also we have Denji who we love right objectively and he is also like this kind of like really horny um, character. Like it, the, I think that the meme was like, oh, when Minetta says he lo- he wants to touch some boobs, everybody condemns him. But when Denji says it, we all hug him and love him. And I think that there's a there's a duality there. What do you think? Uh, what do you think about that, Best Boy Dan?
0: I think it's all in presentation. Okay, right? Like Minetta is the is the sleazy character, right? He's the one who will, like, go, you know, after, like, the accidental, like, boob graze, mm-hmm. you know, like, in a battle, like, situation, right? He'll be like, oh, there's no way I can stop myself from going face first into their chest. I've been blown back by this enemy, right? Yeah. Meanwhile, like, Denji's, like, you know, just wholeheartedly serious about it. He's like, look want to touch a boob and you know he strikes a deal with power and you know like just goes with that deal yeah right like i he's think he's straightforward he's honest uh it's like you know it's it's not you know uh, like, sex predatory. Yeah. He's, like, just honest about his feelings towards things. And I
1: think you're striking at the core of... I, I, for, for me, the reason why I say it's okay for Denji and it's not okay with Mineta is it hinges on two things, and what, that is definitely one of them. And that being the whole concept of consent. Because Mineta, he tries to engineer ways in which to to cop feels on his classmates' Mm-hmm. In, a, in a surreptitious and, like, kind of underhanded way. Um, he makes, like, disgusting comments about them. Um, he makes a, makes a disgusting comment about Eri at one point, which is like, what the fuck? Um, it's also, like, the core of his character. Yeah, and the reason why it's different with Denji is because Denji's not, he's like, yeah, I want to cop a feel, but he's not trying to do so illicitly, right? He wants to find a way to do it consensually and the, the way he lands on is with this kind of contract he makes with power um, and also the other part that you know people are like okay fine but then like why do we why do we not care that he's like a horn dog or whatever which first of all I don't think horn dog is is a fair way to describe him but either way um, I think the 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 conceit lies in the fact that it Minetta has been raised in society he knows right from wrong right like he yeah. he he, he sh- by all accounts should have a solid groundwork for how to act in society whereas denji
0: was raised I in a shack we don't by know what gang his members family life was like yeah and so like <laughs>
1: there's no ex- there you you can be forgiven for not necessarily expecting him to be fully adjusted to pro social society you know um so that's yeah. those are the kind of two points that I landed on on why 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 Denji okay but Mineta
0: no. I mean I think you know when it comes down to it right like the desires of both the characters are not abnormal they're teenage boys right yeah like having sexual interest in girls is normal how you express it is the key to it mm-hmm. and like Denji is not appropriate all of the time, but it doesn't make him a bad person right. just by the nature of it, right? You know, Minetta, who actively tries to coerce situations against other people's will, is actively doing, you know, something regarded negatively. Right. right. Yeah. So
1: so that's the debate, Mineta versus Denji. Um, yeah. That's our take on it. Uh, next up, I wanted to talk about some uh, witch from Mercury stuff because, of course, I do. Uh, but what I wanted to kind of do is is take a different tack on it than I usually do. Um, not usually, but that I have in the past because you know we've been we've talked a lot on the show about like the like the kind of people who are being really negative about this show because it has a female protagonist and so on and so forth. Um, And you know what, like to be entirely honest, like they are a a extremely vocal my, um, minority, but they are a minority of Gundam fans. Um, and overall, uh, what I've seen online and in the communities that I'm a part of, um, which for Mercury has been very widely, um, well received. Uh, people love the show. Um, people are, you know, doing fan art of the show, which I really enjoy. One of my current favorite pieces of fan art about the show depicts, um, uh, Saletta Mercury as like a red panda and, um, Mirren is kind of like holding her like out to like show the world. Um, but like there, there has been, um, a very great reception of the show despite the 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 very loud complaints of what is like I mentioned like I said of a, a vocal minority uh, of Gundam fans
0: yeah I mean i'm I'm a big fan uh, I'm enjoying it I think it's a very fresh take on the series um, and I I'm excited to see where it goes.
1: Yeah, me too. Um, can't wait for the next episode. Uh, I watch it the day it comes out every day because that's who I am as a person. Um, and the last thing I wanted to talk about is something that we mentioned on the um, the rapid-fire round of our 2022 What to Watch guide. Um, that is Con Cole Season 2. Um, it's out finally. The first episode came out yesterday. Um and I wanted to talk about it briefly, just because you know we didn't obviously hadn't didn't have a chance to see it before the the last uh, before our last episode aired. Um, I watched the first episode. It seems to be setting up for like a kind of interesting story. Um, and for those of you who aren't familiar with this, um, Kankol is short for Kantai Collection, um, and it's basically uh, it's the anime from a gacha game, right? Um, the gacha game being centered around ship girls or fleet girls, as they, they call themselves. Um, and I know what you're thinking a gacha game tie in anime about ship girls, it has to suck, right? Um, I'm sorry, Justin. It's fleet girls. Yeah, fleet Have girls. a little sensitivity. Um, but to be honest with you, the series has a really interesting way of exploring themes surrounding responsibility, uh, redemption, and loss. Um, and it seems like season two is really leaning into that very hard. Um, this season is taking more of a grittier approach than the first season did. The first season was kind of like your protagonist was like a little bit of a goofball. She's clumsy. Um, she wants, she needs to learn how to do her job and like, she's kind of like finding her way, um, within the organization that she's a part of and like learning how to do her duties. Uh, but this season we get a protagonist who seems to have some sort of dark past, that everyone knows about but won't speak about. And we only get, like, kind of a very short glimpse of it in the beginning. Um, and it's kind of funny because, like, when we when we see, like, the the glimpses of this, like, past that they're hinting at, it's kind of presented almost in, like, a similar way to, like, the opening scenes of Apocalypse Now. Like, you have, like, the main character, she's, like, lying... Like, after, like, after the, the flashback fades out, she's, like, lying in the middle of, like, a, a hot... Uh, room um kind of like she's obviously not drunk like marlon brando was in the, the movie because that would be weird but she's like clearly like just like going through it you know and um i i i, I was kind of struck by how how different it is from the first season um so if this is your kind of thing, if you watch the first season, um, I recommend watching the second season. It's it's good so far. One episode in, can't say too much about it. But um, if it's not your thing, but like you have nothing better to do, maybe give the series a shot. It's actually you know it has its moments. It's kind of cute. It's kind of funny. It's kind of serious. Um, and who knows? Maybe you might uh, end up you know getting really into the Fleet Girls. Yeah, get that Fleet Girl Fever fleet girl fever and with that being said i think that's an excellent time for us to check in with studio web for some anime news
0: that's right best buds we got the cure for your fleet girl fever and that's more anime news yes um up first uh have a a little interesting story um so recently katakawa announced that it would be purchasing the anime news network now for those who are not in the know uh the anime news network describes itself as this Anime News Network was founded in 1998. It engages in the media business focused on distribution and latest news concerning Japanese anime, manga, light novels, and other entertainment content to its English-speaking market user base in North America and other parts of the world. ANN also operates a content database and community forums for all its users to interact on its website and establish its position as one of the largest platforms specialized in its field in North America now the best boys used a variety of news sources but anime news network is definitely one of our go-to sources um, so we thought it would be you know worth speaking on since it is such a big player in the market mm. uh, Kakawa the person or the <laughs> corporation which you know our people uh, had this to say about it. Our decision to proceed with the acquisition is intended to further strengthen Katakawa's global marketing efforts relating to the digital and physical products handled by Bookwalker Co. Limited, which operates an English online bookstore, English Yen Press, uh, LLC, which uh, engages in the comprehensive English publication of mangas and light novels, etc., in North America, and J-Novel Club LLC, which engages in English e-book publishing of Japanese light novels and the operation of digital subscription service platforms, among others in the English-speaking market. This transaction is contemplated to be pursued through the acquisition by a newly established company under Katakawa's U.S. holding company, Katakawa World Entertainment Incorporated of all of the business related assets from anime news network scheduled to be completed by year's end the transaction uh its value is not disclosed would have no material impact on katakawa's consolidated business results which i also think is kind of telling because it's like hey this purchase is not actually going to affect our bottom line that's how much it cost us yeah um (laughs) Following the completion of the transaction, we intend to further expand all of the group's businesses in the English-speaking market by strengthening its collaboration in promotion in other areas, uh, each of the group's aforementioned businesses. Um, So I I think it is worth bringing this up. And I'm actually going to kind of skip what the other, like, manager said, because it's, you know, more business talk of, like, hey, yeah, we're so excited, you know, synergy, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I think it is interesting to note that one of the largest publishers is buying one of the largest uh English news outlets yeah. out there. Yeah. Um it, just something interesting to note, something to keep an eye on especially as reporting continues since uh, Anime News Network covers a lot of what Katakawa does. Um Yeah, so... it would be
1: it would be kind of like if um if like Penguin Random House bought New York Times. <laughs>
0: You know. Yeah, that is the perfect description of it.
1: Like, like all of a sudden, if all of the Penguin Random House books are New York Times bestsellers...
0: Yeah, ...then weird, that, right? that would be something to keep an eye on. So, uh, and, you know, Katakawa is already such a huge name uh, when it comes to it. I think what was also interesting and kind of the reason why I read a lot of uh, what they said was because it highlights... Uh, A few other brands that I'm familiar with, like Bookwalker is, like, a huge online presence when it comes to, like, digital manga. Yep. Uh, Yen Press, uh, J-Club, J-Novel Club Club, LLC, like, I mean, I would say
1: probably, like,
0: two-thirds
1: of the manga on my shelves come from Yen Press.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, like, they have a huge market share. Like, there's only a few publishers when it comes to manga in the States. Yeah. So... Yep, something to keep an eye on. Uh, you know us best boys, we got our eye on the anime business world, so we'll we'll keep it coming. Um, and we actually have more business news because it is like quarterly earnings time, so there's a lot of that going on. There is a lot of that um, going on. <laughs> yeah, in fact, oh, speaking of which, I'm going to bring you a little breaking news. Oh, you got breaking news? Do we have a breaking news sound? I think so.
1: Well, if not, we'll... <laughs> breaking news
0: uh so i sent this to you right before we recorded but i just found uh sony's like quarterly reporting reporting update Uh huh. um i did see and... that you had sent
1: it to me i did not have time to read it
0: yeah so uh they have like one slide in their slide deck for investors um Specifically about Crunchyroll, but I, I thought it would be uh, interesting to kind of read that out because uh, there is one interesting takeaway, which is the integration of the Crunchyroll and Funimation services is progressing smoothly, and the number of paying members has increased to nearly 10 million so far for an expansion of business that exceeds our initial expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also goes on to talk about how, like, Dragon Ball Superhero um, exceeded expectations and, like, crushed it at the box office. You know, having anime movies that are number one and beating Tom Cruise movies are, are pretty helpful. Yeah, um, doesn't hurt. So it, it is also interesting. They note that they... Um, Acquired uh, the Right Stuff Incorporated, a U.S. e-commerce company that sells anime DVDs, character goods, e-comics, and more. Uh, their plan through this acquisition, Crunchyroll, will aim to strengthen its merchandising business and establish a more multifaceted and deeper engagement with the anime fan community. So, uh, some interesting, like, breaking, yeah, like news on that front. So, in, in that, a ten million subscribers. Yep, yeah. that's huge at like how much are we paying like seven dollars a month ten dollars a month something like that yeah i think think it's
1: seven because i pay i pay once every three months it's like 22 bucks
0: but like even just if you extrapolate that that's 3.5 million (laughs) dollars yeah i mean Uh, reading reading between the lines a little bit there too um
1: i can definitely see that they are trying to expand their storefront presence because it's definitely mm -hmm. being served to me more in ads, um, when I log into the Crunchyroll website on desktop, it's definitely almost always up there on, on the banner ad. Um, and as far as engaging with um, uh, you know, their customer base more, I think that also has a lot to do with conventions, right? So we have Crunchyroll taking a much, we're gonna talk about this later, Crunchyroll taking a much bigger presence at Anime NYC this year than they have in past years. Um, and also they're not, anime NYC is not the only anime convention that they sponsor. Um, yeah. they're sponsoring one. I know for a fact they sponsor one down in Texas. Um, I'm pretty sure they sponsor a couple on the West coast. Um, so that's, I think kind of, we're, we're seeing the real world implications of what these goals, uh, are on paper.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think with a company as big as Sony, you can really like, uh, you know use all the different arms to kind of build on those brands and in, in ways that they wouldn't have been able to before you know you have their movie division you have their video game division you have their hardware division yeah you know the digital marketing like all this sort of stuff so i, I think we will see a big expansion of what crunchyroll is bringing us both in the physical space and the you know event space and also in the digital space yep absolutely um but getting back to the regular scheduled news uh let's talk some more business yeah (laughs) imax reported in its q3 2022 earnings conference call that it has missed wall street's third quarter earning projections according to imax this was due to a temporary slowdown in the hollywood pop pipeline uh no doubt due to the pandemic the pandemic is Uh, over dan Oh yeah, that's right. Um, everybody wear a mask mm. or get get a vaccine whatever you do or it. even do both uh, yeah um, but there was a bright spot for the company. local language films are performing better than ever on IMAX. IMAX CEO Rich uh, Gelfond uh, specifically cited Dragon Ball super superhero as an example of the increasingly exportability of local films. Uh, Gelfand said, we have only scratched the surface of the potential of local language films. He explained that prior to COVID, audiences uh, in overseas markets generally viewed IMAX as a platform for Hollywood films. But uh, this changed during the gap of Hollywood films through the pandemic. During this time, IMAX partnered with local studios and filmmakers to pivot the local language films. He noted that in Japan alone, our per screen average for... The trailing 12 months was a staggering $1.9 million. He further cited that Demon Slayer and Evangelion as top uh, performing IMAX releases in Japan, in the third quarter, approximately thirty percent of IMAX's global box office was derived from local language films. The company targeting is targeting thirty to forty local language releases worldwide in twenty twenty three, which actually appears to be a little bit larger than their uh, Hollywood slate for the same year. So, it's it, this does not mean solely like films from Japan. You're going to definitely have films from India, from mm-hmm. you know all over the world. Um, but uh i I think it is interesting that you know they have seen a market in this, and this kind of goes with what Sony's doing like there is a growing acceptance of anime in Western cultures, and you see that businesses are starting to take notice, yeah yeah it, its I don't know
1: it's just it's also always when I hear about how successful and popular IMAX is, it always kind of does my head in a little bit because like. And this is just a personal bias, but I personally don't ever go to IMAX films unless it's, like, at a museum or, like, a planetarium or something. So, like, I don't ever watch anime in IMAX. Um, And that's mostly because it makes me dizzy. Um, I have, like, I get, like, the when you put on the glasses or, like, the 3D Mm. effects, like, it kind of makes me nauseous. Um, So I don't ever go see them. So whenever I hear about how crazy popular they are, I'm like, oh, right, people do enjoy that, actually.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm one of the people who enjoys that. I like seeing films in, you know, the director's, you know, most preferred way. Um, so, you know, if it's an eight millimeter I like that. If it's an IMAX I like that. Um so you know, I for me it's having the assurance of good picture and sound quality is important. Uh so who wouldn't love to see, you know, <laughs> The you know demon slayer Mugen train battle on a giant screen. That's that's my takeaway from it. Mm. Um, yeah. So the last story I want to talk about uh, is that Viz Media announced that uh, Jamieson Price will not be reply- reprising his role as Chad in the English dub of the anime. Instead, Chad will be voiced by Elaine Mesa, a Cuban American actor. James, uh, Jamison, uh, Price tweeted the following about not returning to the role to avoid all the many fans of bleach. Oh, to, <laughs> to all the many fans of bleach. I have loved being a part of bleach universe and voicing Chad. It was a difficult decision to say, uh, no to coming back for, uh, the thousand year blood war. But I no longer audition for roles of people of color. Representation matters, access matters. I have had access to a wide variety of roles in my career. Actors use their imaginations and their experience to breathe life into the characters we portray. We get to walk in someone else's skin for a time. We practice empathy, we feel, and we learn. Access to an opportunity in anime has not been equal, but that has changed. By stepping aside now, I open the door of access and give opportunity to an actor who can represent Yasutoro Sado Se- with the same love and pride and imagination. But with more life experience than I have. Thank you for the love and support you have shown me over the years. Uh, Please welcome Elaine Mesa to the role of Chad. He has some big shoes to fill. And then he left with a quote from Maya Angelou Do the best you can until you know better. uh, Then, when you know better, do better. Um, I think, you know, uh, I think representation is great in anime and I would love to see more of it. Um, I think that having a Cuban American actor playing a Hispanic role in anime is a good step forward.
1: Yeah, I think it's good. Um, I'm surprised they didn't try to get Scarlett Johansson to do it. but
0: um. uh, She's really a chameleon. She can really play anything especially yeah. <laughs> an old Asian woman. Yeah,
1: um, But yeah, I think that's good. I'm glad to hear that.
0: Yeah, and I think that it is important that, again, as anime expands that we are keeping an you know eye on making sure that it is equitable to everyone to participate in absolutely um and that definitely comes to a business side and it is important that you know we all work together to accomplish that it takes a village yep And with that, let's give you all the new releases and updates. Yeah! Uh, First, we got the staff for That Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime, Scarlet Bond, the franchise's upcoming anime film, announced the film's December rollout overseas. Hooray! The film's rollout overseas will start in December and will eventually include the United States, the United Kingdom, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, Canada, France, Germany, South Korea, Taiwan, Hong Kong, and... South and Central America. Uh, I'm actually really excited about it. Yeah. Uh, I, I've, you know, uh, it's about time that
1: I'm jonesing for some slime. Absolutely, yeah. Every now and then I go back and watch another episode of Slime Diaries too. Um, by by the end of the year, I might have finally finished the full season. <laughs> nice. Um, up next, the official website for the television anatomy of Gosei Furukawa's My Life as Inukai-san's Dog, the literal title uh, is "If I Became a Dog, I Would Be Picked Up by the Person I Like." Um, manga has announced no. <laughs> that it will yeah, I know, right uh, has announced that it will premiere on January sixth on Tokyo MX. Uh, no word on a streaming service as of yet. The the dog's view romantic comedy manga centers on a protagonist who suddenly wakes up one day to find out he has been turned into the pet dog of his cool and beautiful classmate Karan Inukai. While no. yeah <laughs> while Kanan is cool and expressionless at school at home, she dotes on her pet dog. No, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. <laughs> I was like
0: when I when I saw this one I was like, Oh no. Oh no. I- oh my god this might be a, an episode of an anime is trash in seasons
1: past i would have guaranteed you that this was gonna come out on high dive but crunchyroll has been releasing some spicier titles lately i wouldn't be yeah, too surprised has, to see it come out there
0: uh what's the one that has this here more than a married couple but less than lovers yeah I, yeah that's like the spiciest thing this season i dropped it after the third episode
1: I haven't watched it in a while. I've been too busy. <laughs> I knew I was going to. I knew I didn't like the manga, so I didn't. I had a feeling I wasn't going to like the anime either. Um, but yeah, so that's coming out uh, in January. Um, up, Keep an eye out for it.
0: Yeah. The staff for the television anime of Zippon and Yasumu's, uh, Yas, Yas, um, Yasumos... Yasumos? Yasumos... Uh, banished from the Heroes' Party light novel series, announced that a second season has been greenlit. Red was the member of uh, Heroes' Party, a powerful group destined to save the world from the evil forces of Taraxon the raging demon lord. That is until one of his comrades kicked him out, hoping to live the easy life on the frontier. Red's new goal is to open an apothecary. However, keeping the secret of his former life may not be as simple as he thinks, especially when the beautiful Rit, an adventurer from his past, shows up and asks to move in with him.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to see this one come back. I think... um one a very popular subgenre these days has been character gets kicked out of the hero's party. What do they do next? Um, and I think this show probably does it the best that I've seen it so far. It's so weird that that's like a thing. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because like the way trends happen in light novels. there's like a lag time between like when it happens in the light novel and when it hits the anime screen. So I feel like like the, the, this trend that we're seeing in anime now was a trend in light
0: novels, like year, like two, two, three years ago. Um, so uh, I can't wait for the vending machine and dungeon trend. That's about to sweep us. Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, that being said, we've got some anime NYC
1: screening news for you, Best Buds. We kind of hinted at that a little bit earlier. Um, but Crunchyroll is planning to screen a bunch of premieres, including items from its winter 2022 slate at the anime at the, at the NYC-based anime convention. Um, so on Friday the 18th at 4 p.m., they'll be screening the North American premiere of the Yuru Camp movie. Um, and we're definitely yes. doing everything we can to try to get into this one um reservations are on hold right now they had a whole big thing um, where they had some issues with uh, panel reservations on the first attempt so they're going to be rolling them out again um, i believe on the 7th um so just keep an eye out for that um the uh the next uh, next up we have friday at 8 p.m uh crunchyroll will screen the ice blade sorcerer shall rule the world um, the reincarnation of the strongest exorcist in another world, and The Tale of Outcasts. Um, three shows that are going to be coming up in its 2022 uh, slate of anime. On Saturday, the 19th at 5 p.m., they'll be screening the premiere of Don't Toy With Me, Miss Nagatoro Second Attack, as well as the first two episodes of Tomochan is a Girl. I'm super excited for that last one. I read the manga. Um, it's really really good I think it's going to make a pretty big splash um,
0: with anime fans Um, I'm excited for both of those and I love the fact that uh, it's called uh, Don't Toy With Me Miss Nagatoro's Second Attack
1: yeah it's going to be really good um, all of these screenings will take place at Panel Room 4 in the Javits Center. Um, reservations are required, as I mentioned earlier, so if you're trying to get a first look at these shows, make sure you check out the Anime NYC website for details. Um, the Best Boys will also be at Anime NYC for all three days this year, so if you want to meet up, compare your uh, your hauls from Artist Alley or what, what have you, um, make sure you shoot us a DM on Instagram. If you can't make it, stay tuned to our Instagram for livecasts, stories, and posts from the convention but we're going to be covering it in a big way again this year.
0: Yeah. Um, also on preview at Anime NYC will be the new kaguya Osama Love is War film, The First Kiss it Never Ends. The film will open in Japan on December 17th, but staff also announced that a television episode worth of footage from the project will screen at Anime NYC event on November 19th at 4.15 PM. The anime will air on television in Japan after the screening in theaters. The arc takes place after the end of the anime's third season. So make sure you're caught up on this one, best buds. And I need to follow that advice because I need to catch up. Yes, you do.
1: Um, Uh, Next up, we have MAPPA announcing um, that it is producing a television anime adaptation of Ren Eguchi and illustrator Masa's Campfire Cooking in Another World with My Absurd Skill light novel series. Um, The anime will premiere on Tokyo TV and other channels in January 2023. Um, It follows Mukuora Tsuyoshi, uh, who is nothing special in modern day Japan, so when he was summoned to a world of swordplay and sorcery, he thought he was ready for the adventure of a lifetime. Too bad the kingdom that summoned him only got him by mistake. Not only was he not one of the three summoned heroes, but his stats were laughable compared to theirs. On top of that, there's something really sketchy about this kingdom. Uh, these people are the kind who try to use the hero, he realized, and immediately left to make his own way in this other world. The only thing Mukoda can rely on is his unique skill, the online supermarket, a skill that allows him to buy modern goods in a fantasy world. It's useless for combat, but if he plays his cards right, he could lead a comfortable life, maybe. At least that's what muko thinks. But it turns out modern food brought uh, bought with this skill has some absurd effects. What happens when Mukoda introduces ridiculously tasty modern cooking to a fantasy world like this? He gets some ridiculous repeat customers begging for more. Um, yeah, so this is coming out, and I'm actually kind of excited for it. I think it's going to be pretty I, I was
0: initially like turned off by the title Mm -hmm. and then by the end of your description of it i'm like okay i'm in yeah this one this one looks like it's gonna be really good yeah um this one also looks really interesting uh kai ikada's hokkaido girls are super adorable manga is getting a television anime in 2023 high school boy subasa moves to kitami city up in hokkaido where he meets a gal at a bus stop The sight of her standing alone against the white snowscape, bare-legged, despite the freezing cold, captures his heart. I love a Gyaru story. Yeah,
1: I had a feeling you'd be pretty excited about this one. Um, You can actually read the manga on Manga Plus and Jump Plus, which I've been doing for a while now. Um, And it starts off pretty strong with an interesting and funny rom-com plot that includes a a lot of back info about Hokkaido. Um, like, you learn about, like, all sorts of food that they like up there. You learn a little bit about Hokkaido history and, like, notable figures. Um, but it, it gets kind of haramy in the latter chapters for my tastes. I'm in. Uh, but you're in, and that's all that matters. <laughs> um, next up, the cast of the Yuru Camp movie uh, anime film announced at a screening that Afro's original Yuru Camp manga is confirmed for a third television season. Um, so hell yeah, that's I think that's really cool because we we get this this film that follows the girls' viewer camp as adults, right? Um, but then what are we going to have for the third? Are we going to go back to their childhood, or are they is it the third season going to be them as
0: adults again? They're camping on Mars, yeah, obviously. So
1: I, I think it'll be interesting to find out, especially because he he did release a promotional drawing and it does show the girls on motorcycles. So maybe you know maybe that Whoa. doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the third season.
0: Um, but maybe it does. Who knows? Oh, you know what? I think it's a crossover um, with Tokyo Revengers <laughs> the motorcycle gang. Yeah, And they go up against the Tokyo Manji. That'd be great. <laughs> I'd watch. <laughs> um, I don't think I will watch the next thing. Uh, the most heretical last boss queen, who will become the source of tragedy, will devote herself for the sake of the people... Is coming from OLM in July of 2023, and I have literally nothing to say about this other than that's a peak light novel shit right there in terms of naming. That is a
1: light novel title if I ever did see one. Um, but yeah, that's done a do-it uh, for releases and updates. Uh, we're gonna move on to our second half of the anime news segment, um, and we're gonna start it off with uh, Mappa's latest work, which has hit the big screens, best buds. Um, but it's not some brand new anime you've never heard of. It's an opening sequence for the Tokyo Great Bears volleyball team. Great name. Yeah, awesome. No notes. Um, unfortunately, you can currently only see it at the team's matches, but you can catch some screenshots on MAPA's Twitter account, and hopefully they'll release it online at some point, because I would love to see it, and I bet it's fire.
0: Uh, I have a new goal when I visit Japan, and that's to go see the Tokyo Great Bears volleyball team. I'm
1: sure they put on a fantastic show. Um, Next up, this year's 48th issue of Kodansha's Morning Magazine has revealed that Kintetsu Yamada, the mangaka behind Sweat and Soap, one of my favorite rom-com manga, um, is launching a brand new manga project. It's called Telework Yotabanashi, which translates to Telework Gossip, and by the time this episode airs, its first chapter will have been released in Morning Magazine. Um, The romantic comedy follows a man who works from home. With more free time, he gets to know his female neighbor. Um, I absolutely cannot wait for an English translation of this one. Um, I love Sweat and Soap. It's one of, like I said, one of my favorite rom-com manga. Um, I think the, the, um, the author does really great work, and I'm excited to see more. Um, it's news like this that makes me want to learn Japanese, so I don't have to wait for an English translation. Um, but hopefully one will be forthcoming fairly shortly, especially because Sweat & Soap has been pretty um, pretty successful in the Western market, as far as I'm, uh, I've her- heard. Uh, though no no uh, no rumors yet uh, as to whether or not it will get an anime. Um, and finally, in anime news, we have Kyoharu Gotouge's Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaiba manga, is inspiring a kabuki play that will open in Shin uh, Shinbashi and Bujō in Tokyo, February to March 2024. Um, the play is part of the Super Kabuki Second series, which incorporates techno- uh, contemporary technology into traditional kabuki. Um, and I think this is really cool because, like, we've seen a bunch of like stage play adaptation news for you know currently running anime. This is the first time I think I've ever seen. Um, them doing a kabuki style stage play so like this is a traditional art like you know theater art form in japan um and it has certain it has certain like rules and norms about what makes a kabuki play um and i think that uh you know i'm really curious to see how they're gonna how they're gonna pull
0: this one off i think it's interesting to do it with demon slayer as well like i think that kind of like fits to that style yeah
1: um. because i mean in kabuki you have a lot of like depictions of yokai and like traditional folklore uh demons and a lot of the demons in demon slayer are patterned off of these kind of folk like japanese folklore uh monsters and demons um so i do think it'll fit well i'm curious to see what kind of contemporary technology they're going to incorporate um very interesting news and i'm excited to to hopefully maybe someday see it
0: yeah, this one would be an interesting one to check out. Um, I almost included a story about an Evangelion stage play that uh, was uh, happening, but this one seems more interesting to me. Yeah, um, but with that being said, you know, let us
1: know, best buds, if you're you're interested in Kabuki plays. Um, are you going to Anime NYC? Let us know. Hit us up. Um, we're gonna catch some of those premieres that they're talking about, and you can do so. Uh, on Instagram at bestboys_pod, pod, or you can send us an email at thebestboyspod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Um, and with that being said, I think it's time for us to go ahead and dive on into the meat and potatoes of this week's episode. I got the chooom. got the Flat Line. that's right all you chooms and gonks out there we're talking about cyberpunk this week uh, both the anime and the genre um, but before we get started best boy Dan why don't you uh, tell me a little bit about what your experience with cyberpunk is uh, the genre specifically
0: Oh, um, not the anime or the game. Yes. Um, I mean, yeah, you could talk about those two. <laughs> I mean, I've watched the anime and I played the game. Um, I kind of want to replay the game now. Uh, supposedly it's better. Um, I I guess, like, just kind of, like, passively I've encountered cyberpunk. I'm not, um, you know, specifically like a seeker of the cyberpunk genre but i enjoy it when i see it um it conjures a lot of like ideas of neon lights and like uh, leather jackets and tattoos and cigarette smoke okay and, like all that kind of stuff um you know i think uh like sex pistols in the like you know (laughs) semi-future
1: okay that's yeah i feel like you're you're hitting a lot of the cultural touchstones that we associate with cyberpunk that's good that okay interesting have you ever have you ever read or or watched anything that you like kind of distinctly identified as cyberpunk in the past
0: um i'm trying to think of that uh this book that i was reading for a while um Ah, God, it's that one guy uh and there's like this like digital drug. I want to say like snow something. Oh,
1: Snow Crash. Yeah, by Neil snow Stephenson. Crash, yeah. Okay, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's
1: yeah, that's definitely one of the the kind of cyberpunk um like one of the stories that comes up all the time when we talk about cyberpunk. Um and it's interesting because Snow Crash is actually something of like a it's not a parody, but it is, it is parodying elements of what had at that time become formulaic in cyberpunk. So it's interesting that that is one of the ones that comes up when we, when we talk about cyberpunk as a genre. Um, but speaking of that, let's get right on into it. We're gonna answer the first question, what is cyberpunk, the genre, not the anime? We'll get to the anime later. Um, if we're talking about an encyclopedic definition, um, cyberpunk is a subgenre of science fiction. Okay. Um, so, okay. Okay. Cyberpunk stories are set in a dystopian future that features things like artificial intelligence, neural interfaces, and cybernetics. Um, these advanced technologies clash with rampant societal decay, um, and corporate kleptocracy. Uh, it has been summed up by many, notably including, uh, author Bruce Sterling as high tech, low life. um, Nobody really knows where exactly that phrase came from. It kind of just spawned out of the ether. Um, It's been said by many, many people throughout the years. But uh, keep that phrase in mind because we'll be coming back to it quite often throughout this uh, episode. Um, Now, in an essay titled Notes Towards a Post-Cyberpunk Manifesto, uh, literary critic Lawrence Person explained that classic cyberpunk characters were marginalized, alienated loners, who lived on the edge of society in generally dystopic futures where daily life was impacted by rapid technological change, uh, an ubiquitous data sphere of computerized information, and invasive modification of the human body. Starting to sound a little familiar, no? Um so, uh, writers began exploring themes that would later develop into cyberpunk during the new wave science fiction movement of the sixties and seventies, uh, with some notable authors you might recognize like Philip K. Dick, uh, JG Ballard, and, uh, yeah. yes, Dick yeah. and Ballard, Yes, yes, yes. And Harlan Ellison. Um, cyberpunk as a genre was solidified by the release of William Gibson's novel Neuromancer in 1984. Um, beginning what uh, what I and many others consider to be the golden age of cyberpunk um, this period would continue into the early to mid 90s and would see the release of cyberpunk masterpieces like Snow Crash uh, Mirror Shades, Max Headroom Islands in the Net and Johnny Mnemonic um, so if any of those titles sound familiar to you, you probably have at least somewhat of a grounding in this, this uh, genre um, now Let's move on now that we've discussed what um, what is like the encyclopedic definition of cyberpunk. Let's talk about what is not cyberpunk.
0: And this is where Justin breaks everyone's preconceived notion. Yes,
1: um, this is the part of the episode where I might piss off some people. So let me explain where <laughs> I, let me explain my background in cyberpunk and where I'm coming from. Right. So I fell in love with cyberpunk as a wee lad in the early days of the internet because I'm a I'm a geriatric millennial um and yes that's right back when you had to get the internet through the phone
0: um i just love the idea of geriatric millennial
1: back in my day the internet came in the mail
0: um it's so apt we have lost
1: all of the gen z listeners at this point Um, but um but no i used to i hung out in all of the cyberpunk irk chats uh, message boards, where you at, Megachan vets, if anybody gets that reference, please reach out to me. Um, and all of the forums I could find. I also wrote a lot of shitty cyberpunk short stories on LiveJournal that we won't talk about and that I have dedicated a very significant amount of energy to
0: ensuring have been scrubbed from existence. Oh my god, are, I want nothing more than to read They that. are gone. Um, <laughs> I, my God! I, uh, listen, you said I would never see the picture of you with the mohawk, and I did. Oh no, that's a different story. This that 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 <laughs> I just kind of casually deleted. I
1: nuked all of these stories. They are gone.
0: <laughs> yes, if, but there is if there was a hard drive on with the it, internet. If there
1: was a hard drive with it on it, it has been microwaved. Um, <laughs> but it was in Time these to go to the Wayback Machine. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, But it was in these spaces where I developed what some might consider to be kind of a restrictive view on what is and isn't cyberpunk. And that might be a fair criticism, so feel free to present your counter-arguments in the Menchies. But this is my platform, and I feel like I can defend my position fairly well. Um, So there it is. Um, And cyberpunk pretty much tells us what it is in its very name. It's cyber, high tech, and it's punk, low life, right? Um, It has to meet both of these criteria to be cyberpunk. And to be clear, when we say punk... We don't mean like, hey, you punks, get off my lawn. Like, we're specifically talking about the anti-establishment countercultural movement that grew out of the end of World War II. So we're we're not just talking about like punk as like a derogatory term or like something like that. We are referring, we are referencing a concrete
0: um, subculture, right? Um, yes, and and I I think that's where a lot of people get lost in the definition. They do, Is, yeah. is in the punk side, and again, this is uh, and punk side i think we have relatively decent punk credentials to talk from
1: oh yeah absolutely i mean like we were i was a little too young to like to participate in the the heyday of like the new york city punk scene um but i was i was active in the what grew out of it which was new york city and long island hardcore music um so, and listen, I've seen Panic at the Disco live. And he, so. Dan has seen Panic at the Disco live. <laughs> um, so
0: I'm pretty
1: much an expert. But yeah, so like I, I wouldn't say like I, punk is not like my bread and butter, but I am familiar enough with it to f- like kind of understand the cultural norms you would look for in something if you were describing it as quote unquote punk, right? Um, and th- like you, like you mentioned, Dan, this is the part where a lot of like kind of definitions of, uh, of whether or not a thing is cyberpunk kind of fail is not necessarily that they're not cyber, but that they're not punk. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. so with that being said, let's get the first one out of the way and it's ghost in the shell. Right. So I love ghost in the shell. Um, standalone complex is probably one of my favorite anime shows to this day. I've rewatched it more times than I can count. I watched its original run on adult swim and midnight run. Um, But it's not cyberpunk for a very simple reason, and this is something that's gonna recur. Um, (laughs) It's because cops are not punk, right? We can inherently like it's definitely cyber, right? Like it's obviously it's got all of the cybernetic hallmarks of of a cyberpunk show. But um, when we talk about the archetypal protagonists of cyberpunk, as we discussed earlier, they're supposed to be lowlifes, losers, outcasts, and criminals. Um. And while occasionally some member, and while some members of Section Nine might have criminal backgrounds, and the entire team of itself does occasionally find itself on the wrong side of the law, they carry badges and they're cops, right? There uh, are a lot of arguments that can be made about what is and isn't punk, and people make them all the time. But there is no argument
0: here. Cops ain't punk, all right. I I think for me, like. I, to have a definition of punk may help. And I think that for me it's counterculture. Yeah. Right. Like just at its core, it's simple expression is counterculture, whether it's musically, whether it's through fashion, whatever it is, it's, you know, we are not a part of the mainstream. We are self-expression in a different way. Absolutely. Um, And, and literally you can't be, counterculture when you are the cops. So yeah, and I mean
1: <laughs> you you absolutely you know, the, when you think of the police, the police are inherently a conservative um like enforcer of the status quo. It cannot be counterculture. It can't be punk. And it's not. Um that being said, this show does explore a lot of common themes within cyberpunk. Um, it, like like I said, all of the kind of cybernetic hallmarks are there. The high tech is there. You have brain diving. You have you know genetic and uh, you have genetic and physical enhancements. You have a, a, an out of control internet. You got the hackers. I think this show is better defined under the genre of tech noir, right? Because you do have like this kind of high tech society, but the storyline it's telling is like very kind of dramatic and like like dark and smoky mirrors kind of noir theme, right? Um, for the same reason, um, we have Judge Dread, right? Do I do I even need to say it? Like he's literally the <laughs> law. He says it a lot. Um, now. With that out of the way, you do hear Judge Dread being brought up a lot when we talk about Cyberpunk, um, and it's definitely exploring some of the proto-Cyberpunk concepts in its original release, right? Um, and a lot of later Cyberpunk works owe a lot of credit to Judge Dread, but from the other side of the law. So, like, if we were getting the story of Judge Dread being told from the side of the criminals that he's fighting, <laughs> that would be Cyberpunk, right? Um, yeah, and the same for you know Ghost in the Shell too. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so like, it's not that we're necessarily saying that the setting is wrong, but the framing of the story is what prevents it from being cyberpunk,
0: right? Well, and I th- I think there's an argument to be made that that these properties have inspiration from works of cyberpunk well
1: it's actually right? interesting that you mentioned that because it's for for uh, ghost in the shell absolutely but for judge Dredd, it's the other way around because judge dread was originally airing not airing because it was originally a comic but it was it was originally being released before cyberpunk as a genre be- became a thing um, so when we're talking about like uh, Neuromancer, the earlier works in cyberpunk, William Gibson is actually taking some of his inspiration from Judge Dredd, and a lot of later um, cyberpunk authors would do the same interesting, yeah um, next up on the chopping block uh, we have another favorite of mine that is always brought up when we talk about cyberpunk it sh- for some reason shows up on a ton of like if you if you want some cyberpunk I- anime,
0: look at this one I will fiercely back you up on this one too. Yeah, this
1: and that's Cowboy Bebop, right? Um, I love the show. Spike Spiegel is probably why I grew up to be a smoker for ten years. If we're being real honest about it, um, <laughs> but it's not cyberpunk. Um, nah. The crew of the be- yeah, the crew of the Bebop, they're bounty hunters. While they might might not always follow the letter of the law to a T, they still willingly work for the cops and with the cops. Um, they might be a little rough around the edges, but they're not like capital P punks, right? Um, and Cowboy Bebop, like you said, it fits really nicely in the genre of a space Western. Um, and honestly, I don't even necessarily feel like the, the high tech aspect of, um, when we talk about high tech, low life being cyberpunk, I don't even think Cowboy Bebop necessarily meets that criteria because cyber, the, the technology in Cowboy Bebop exists in a kind of interesting space where like yes we have interstellar travel but like all of the displays are like tube tvs and like it is very consciously a kind of old tech new tech world right um and i don't think it quite meets the high tech criteria you would expect
0: from a cyberpunk story um yeah it's almost kind of like a like future steam Pulse.
1: yeah yeah absolutely um, and I think also steampunk is probably part of the reason why people get confused about what the punk in cyberpunk means because in steampunk it doesn't necessary it doesn't refer to
0: the specific countercultural subculture yeah it's more just a, a aesthetic. right
1: because the the word cyberpunk came first um, if I, I think and then you know there everyone else is trying to trying to trying to jump on it to describe a genre but they're not necessarily making the same association. So, like, you have other kinds of genres that have punk at the, a- the end of it. Like, you have steampunk, you have diesel punk, um, You have all of these different types of, of genres that are not referring to the punk uh, subculture. So that's also why it kind of gets a little muddled, I think. Um, speaking of things that are muddled, the next one exists in a kind of gray area. Um, and the anime is psychopaths. Uh, And the reason why uh, I say that it exists in a gray area is because the story changes really drastically in ways that I can't reveal without spoiling the plot, right? So I don't want to, like, spoil the plot of Psychopaths because it's an excellent anime and I think you should watch it. Um, But it also comes up a lot when we talk about cyberpunk. So without revealing too much, I will say that it is a fantastic sci-fi anime that explores a lot of themes that are common to cyberpunk and it does not quite cross the line of cyberpunk in its initial few story arcs. Whether it does later on is a subject of debate. Um, I, I tend to think that it doesn't still end up being cyberpunk. If you have, if you're a best bud out there who's caught up on it and has thoughts, I would love to hear them. So shoot me a DM on Instagram. Um, but that's all I'm gonna say about it for now because and like normally, it, because I can't really come out with a concrete no, I wouldn't normally list that here. But just because everywhere because i like in order to to research like you know what are things that people are calling cyberpunk that isn't i went and did a bunch of searches for like lists of cyberpunk anime right and this one came up on every list so i needed to address it at least in some way um but yeah those are some examples of, of of things that people think is cyberpunk that isn't um uh that's kind of where i'm gonna leave that list here
0: So, Best Boy Justin, you've spent objectively too long telling us what isn't cyberpunk. Can you tell us what is cyberpunk? Well,
1: I'm glad you asked that, Best Boy Dan, because it turns out that cyberpunk is cyberpunk.
0: Uh, Cyberpunk? Is cyberpunk? Are you having a stroke, Best Boy Justin? No, I am not. At least I don't think so.
1: Uh, I'm pretty sure I actually did burn my toast while I was talking about Cyberpunk. Uh, No, I'm talking about Cyberpunk Edgerunners on Netflix, and why don't you tell them about it, Best Boy Dan?
0: Oh yeah, so Cyberpunk Edgerunners is a Netflix original anime coming to us from Studio MAPPA. Editor Best Boy Dan here. Actually, it's Trigger, and you call yourselves experts. Watching 10,000 hours of anime doesn't make you an expert. It just makes you sad. Uh, that was released a little bit earlier this year. The story is based on CD Projekt Red video game, Cyberpunk 2077, which itself was based on a cyberpunk tabletop role-playing game. For those unaware, the synopsis is as follows. Uh, Dreams are doomed to die in Night City, a futuristic Californian metropolis. As a teenager living in the city's slums, David Martinez is trying to fulfill his mother's lifelong wish for him to reach the top of the Arasaka, the world's leading security corporation. To this end, he attends the prestigious Arasaka Academy, while his mother works tirelessly to keep their family afloat. When an incident with street gang leaves David's life in tatters, he stumbles upon the sand devastating cyberware, a prosthetic that grants the wearer superhuman speed. Fueled by rage, David implants the device in his back, using it to extract revenge on one of his tormentors. It gets him expelled from the academy, shattering his hopes at ever making his mother proud. After witnessing David's newfound abilities, the beautiful data thief Lucina, uh, Lucy Kushinata, offers to team up with him. Uh, handling, handing him a ticket to salvation. However, associating with Lucy introduces David to the world of Edgerunners, cyborg criminals who will break any law for money. Edge running often, Edgerunners often lose their lives if cyberware doesn't break their minds first. But his fight for survival inside a corrupt system, David is ready to risk it all. Yeah, so... <laughs> uh when you're talking about the cyberpunk genre this show has it all uh on the cyber side you have the brain dance chips neural interfaces cybernetics grab lift cars all the stuff we thought we were gonna have by 2020 (laughs) but we definitely do not instead Uh, we just got the plague again yeah uh and if we were to get it it would be coming from someone like mark zuckerberg and that's horrifying (laughs) as far as punk is concerned you've got this kind of uh stratified society where you uh don't have this corporate affiliation uh you're not worth anything um i think this is really interesting in the game too because you can kind of pick like which route you play so you can be the like kind of punk in the city you can be like this kind of like boony person or you can be like an Daka like Uh, corpo person Mm -hmm. Um, this leads into another kind of hallmark of the cyberpunk genre life is cheap Uh, people can and do die at a moment's notice for any and no reason it often happens in the most uh, gruesome way possible and in the blink of an eye definitely in the case of this show if you are averse to blood and gore (laughs) uh, maybe not the show for you yeah this ain't it (laughs) Uh, Conversely, life is also incredibly expensive. If you can afford it, an uh, armed trauma team can be automatically dispatched to your location if your life is in danger. But if your bill isn't paid up, they'll walk right past you. Everything comes at a price in this world. You know what? It kind of reminds me, uh, we don't have this uh, on our list, but there was a good movie that actually might be cyberpunk now that I'm thinking about it. It was Repo the Genetic Opera. Oh, just by the name—that sounds cyberpunk. <laughs> it has Anthony Stewart Head, who played Niles and Buffy, as like uh, the like the repo guy who like if you don't pay your um, like medical bills like on time, they'll like repossess your organs. <laughs> oh man,
1: that is that is actually um, a theme that gets explored a lot in a lot of Shadowrun campaigns.
0: <laughs> um, it also has Paris Hilton in it. Oh, oh, oh okay. Uh, so if you want to see Paris Hilton's face get uh, peeled off, um, hmm. it's a good movie. Sounds like a fun Saturday uh, night. Yeah, it's actually it's it's an okay movie. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess
1: getting back to Cyberpunk Edge Runners, what did you what did you think about the show? I'm especially curious uh, because you played the game. I did not play the game, although I have played a a one shot of the uh, tabletop RPG. Oh, interesting! Yeah, long, long um,
0: time ago. Yeah, I I really liked the show. Um, I first things first, let's talk about the op.
1: Yes. Oh, Franz Ferdinand did a fantastic job.
0: <laughs> Franz Ferdinand did an anime op. Let's Let, start yeah, there. Let's take a moment to like appreciate that. Um which i think is really interesting so uh we talked about this in our uh anime op and ed episode which everyone should check out um it's one of our top episodes uh but uh, anime ops and eds tend to be kind of like number one chart-topping hits from popular artists in japan um it's not just you know the lost theme where it's just like Bwarf. yeah it's like a, an actual like musical production so having a popular American artist do it makes a ton of sense too um and Netflix has been one to do that I think with Great Pretender didn't they use like David Bowie or something
1: I never watched it so I couldn't
0: tell you uh I'm pretty sure that's the case um but uh but yeah this this is a straight fire op absolutely 10 out of 10 like honestly like i think
1: one of the things one of the traps you can kind of fall into when you do something like this is you get a famous western band right and you want them to write an anime op and instead they just write a good song and that is not what happened here franz ferdinand wrote an anime op right like they didn't just write a good song they it works so perfectly um obviously fun
0: story they wrote the song before the op did they really <laughs> yeah it,
1: it just works perfect um it's yeah it, the the visuals for the op are really good of course um yeah i think uh, this just knocks it out of the park this is definitely gonna be on the short list for if we're talking about like best op at year-end awards times Ooh. you know um yeah And speaking of awards, I mean, this show is definitely going to be in the conversation for Anime of the Year, right? Absolutely. Um, You're going to have best girl contenders, um, I think, in the form of Rebecca.
0: Yeah, for sure. The Lolly Must Stay. The Lolly Must Stay. She's
1: (laughs) so good. I I, I know you didn't watch it because you don't watch the things I send you on Instagram, but...
0: um, there was oh, I should catch up if you have a bunch of edge runners I have stuff. a ton
1: of edge runners memes in for you in Instagram um, oh, and my fa- my, my favorite one is um it's like what do we say to people who who say edge runners is trash and it's got rebecca in the scene where she's just shooting all of the guns right and like <laughs> as she shoots the gun like it just like words come out like like trash terrible opinion what are you doing go touch grass blah 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 and then she gets blown back and then she comes back with the rocket launcher and when she shoots the rocket launcher it just says banned um yeah so good uh, we love rebecca
0: yeah rebecca's great uh i also like lucy um, yeah,
1: Lucy's great.
0: She could communicate better, but like, couldn't we all? When is that not the case in <laughs> in the show? Yeah. Um, if David gets a nomination for like best boy, I'm gonna riot. Them. Yeah, no, David is
1: not best boy, and he's by by his very design, by the the character's nature, he can't ever be, because like the, the the protagonists of these kind of cyberpunk shows, they're supposed to be edge cases, right? They're supposed to be marginal. They're supposed to be borderline.
0: You know. Um, they're not supposed to be good people, yeah, and I think he is an interesting character, which makes him a good character, right? yeah, but like he's he's not a good person no, he makes objectively bad choices, no,
1: of course, and you know, as we're speaking about the uh, David and um the kind of the kind of character development arc he goes through, it's interesting because it is it is. A, a very common story. You see a couple different types of stories in Cyberpunk, right? So, like, you've got the stories of, like, your hackers, right? So those are, like, your more neuromancer type stories. But then you have your stories of what, in Shadowrun, would be known as your street samurai, which are, like, your your cybernetically enhanced, um, like, superhuman people, right? That's this kind of story here. And the, the story arc generally follows something similar, where, like, as you start installing more cyberware you start to lose your humanity and the way um, the way that this kind of universe deals with it is through what they what the term is cyberpsychosis right um right. And that I think the way that they represent that in this show is really good. Especially, I love the eye, like the they do, like this kind of weird, like where their eyes start like multiplying and like like doing weird shit when they're starting to go cyber psycho. And I think that is visually really well represented.
0: Well, it's also interesting too, and and I think that you touch on it. These stories are also very much based in like real world drug experiences Mm -hmm. right like i i see comparisons to um you know some of the like very specifically like drug related movies like oh yeah um, oh god uh i'm I'm trying to think of the one that's like specific train spotting oh yeah oh train spotting
1: absolutely fear and loathing in las
0: vegas um, right, like there, this is this is a very much a story about addiction and uh, how it can, you know, affect people and their loved ones and you know the kind of real decisions that addicts make.
1: Yeah, and I mean it, it's really interesting to see that kind of um, the way that evolves from like when you when we were talking about like what cyber, where cyberpunk came from. Um, this kind of new wave science fiction movement in in those you have a lot of authors um experimenting more widely with drug use right you have um them experimenting with drugs as plot devices um it
0: also goes very much hand in hand with the time like we're talking about the late 70s early 80s like yeah especially you know the punk cultures like they were doing a lot of drugs. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So, like, drug use and and narratives surrounding drug use and addiction um, are core. They are central to what kind of makes Cyberpunk what it is. Um, if you've ever played a Shadowrun campaign, you probably know that drug use is a thing that happens narratively, um, and you know it's it's uh, it's it's definitely a theme that we we see recurring in Cyberpunk.
0: Yeah. I, I think, you know, in lieu of doing it full like anime as art like breakdown of this, you know, and giving it, you know, the patented Bob scoring method, like some other things that I think are worth hitting on are the visuals, you know. Oh yeah. I think this was, you know, one of the um you know, best things that that they have done in a while. I think earlier did you say Mappa did it? Yeah. I This was Trigger. Or did I say did I say Mappa? Yeah, it's Trigger. I don't know why yeah, I said Mappa. Yeah, so just to credit, this is Trigger. And like, you know, we have talked about Trigger a number of times on this show. Like, you know, they are, you know, have done Kill the Kill. Um, Promare. Uh, Grim- Promare. Um, some of the, like, Star Wars, uh, pieces in, in the Star Wars anime. Um. Just tremendous, tremendous, like talent in the space. Known for only doing one season of a show and and that kind of being it. Yeah. And their the style they brought to this, like, was unbelievable. And and the fact that they were able to, um you know, use uh, Netflix as a platform and kind of you know give us this R rated seinen anime. Yeah. Um was it was not something we've gotten to see them kind of stretch their wings in that realm in a while
1: yeah that, that, those are two things i definitely wanted to touch on is the the visuals obviously you have scorching neon everywhere and that is mm-hmm. that is cyberpunk to a t right you got this like these kind of neon tinted landscapes um, it's never quite absolutely dark anywhere in a
0: cyberpunk universe, right? Yeah. Um, Literally every frame of this is like a cyberpunk desktop background. Yeah, exactly.
1: And as far as like the content is concerned, absolutely, we have to talk about that because this anime without Netflix, right? Without without like the idea of a streaming service that is separate from um, from a TV release, right? This show could never be made, be made. They're Tokyo MX would never broadcast this show, right? Um Oh yeah. So like the fact that this exists um in the form that it does is due to the kind of the way that anime is making the jump from a strictly um traditional media-based uh kind of medium to one that is increasingly divorced from television ratings and um, things of that nature um so yes you do have quite a bit of nudity sexual content uh boatload of gore um, which you have to have if you're telling a cyberpunk story it doesn't work without it right it has to be gritty gory it has to be over the top um kind of almost to a to a a degree that is grading, you know? Um and I think they pulled this off really well. I don't think any studio other than Trigger could have done this. Um No.
0: No, no, no. And with that being and, and I and I guarantee you they will try. Yes. Like I'm I'm placing my bet right now that Netflix is gonna say we want a season two. This did super well. Well uh CD Project Red's gonna be on board and Trigger's gonna say no, we wanna do other things. It's interesting
1: that you've you've that you bring that up because I I forget who they were asking. I don't remember if it was from the production side or the Netflix side or what, what it was, but somebody was asked and you'll have to fact check me on this later to see who it was, um, but they said that there are no plans. To, I'm to release really sure another it was trigger. Yeah, there are no plans to trigger. release another um season of Cyberpunk Edge Runners. And I think that's interesting because the 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 way you have this set up is it it is based not necessarily even in a concrete setting that is immutable, right? It comes from at its core, a setting that is designed for tabletop role playing, which is in and of itself designed to be added upon and approached from different avenues and so on and so forth so there it, there is a non-zero chance that you could see another story being told in this universe that is not Edge Runners, right
0: so like I, I would love that could you imagine like a, a wit studio take or a um oh god what's the studio that uh does uh kobayashi uh cloverworks uh, Kyoto. Oh, animation. Kyoto Animation.
1: I don't know that I would trust Kyoto Animation
0: on in this particular sphere. It seems way out of there. <laughs> but I'm just saying, yeah. like, you know, but even, it, it, other talented studios even, taking a crack at this world.
1: Even more than the studios, though, I think it would be interesting to see the different ways to explore the setting, right? So you have, what if, you know, the next thing from Cyberpunk on the screen is you have Cyberpunk Edge Runners. What if you have Cyberpunk Netrunners? where the story is told from the perspective like you have a story being told from the perspective of a hacker right right um you know you can have different types of stories you could being, have
0: an Arasaka story you
1: could at that point it wouldn't necessarily be cyberpunk anymore because again you're kind of not telling it from the like the perspective of the punk but you know the, the this setting does allow for that you know um yeah and I think that would be an interesting direction. I don't, no, I'm don't. not saying that with any degree of authority. I have no idea what's coming next, if anything, for this uh, franchise. But that would be an interesting direction to take it.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if they did some live action stuff, too. Yeah. I, I think it's also interesting to note that this is twice that uh, Netflix has cracked the code on the video game adaptation.
1: What was the first one?
0: Uh, Arcane. Oh. Yeah, that one didn't hit for me. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was phenomenal. <laughs> um, so, and, and it was really well regarded. So, which is to say that, like, video game movies have not done well. I think the only other uh, video game movie that I'm aware of that was good um, was the Warcraft movie uh, Detective Pikachu.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess that. Well, I mean, listen, Pokemon doesn't count, Pokemon has transcended anime. <laughs> Um, yeah,
0: pokemon is the media empire that rules the world. Yeah.
1: But anyway, as we um, as we kind of drift away from talking specifically about uh, cyberpunk edge runners, um, we have a list for you best buds to round out the episode.
0: Oh, also the music was
1: really good. The music was really <laughs> throughout good throughout the whole show. Yes. Any 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 other last like little doorknob thoughts you want to get off
0: before we move on? Uh no it was a really good show uh, it takes a little while to get going uh, but it jumps through a lot of time so if you stick with it it will only build on how good it gets
1: absolutely and the, the the climax the ending was phenomenal absolutely well done the story arc rounds itself out in a way that if you are familiar with cyberpunk will feel satisfying and if you're not familiar with cyberpunk will still feel like it's leaving you in an interesting uh, direction um hmm. So with that said, uh, we've got our list for you to round out the episode. It is the five actually cyberpunk anime to watch after Edge Runners, um, presented in no particular order. Um, the first one is one that when I thought about this, when I thought about this anime cyberpunk Edge Runners, my immediate next thought was Cyber City 080808. Eight Hundred Eight. And this one actually comes highly recommended from none other than Hideo Kojima, um, who...
0: I've never heard of this one. uh, You you don't know Hideo Kojima?
1: No, no, I I know him. I've never heard of this anime. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, he's the producer behind Metal Gear Solid. Um, And he tweeted, After watching Cyberpunk Edgerunners, I wanted to watch Cyber City Oedo 808 by my favorite director Kawajiri, so I bought the international uh, Blu-ray disc version. Um, This is yet another thing that he and I have in common. Kojima-san, if you're listening, come have a beer with me, please. Um, But the story is as follows. It is the year 2808. Three convicts are recruited as members of the cyber police to keep, uh, keep major criminal activity in Oedo, formerly Tokyo, in check. In return, their life sentences will be reduced by a few years for every mission accomplished. However, to ensure that these convicts are doing their job, the police have secured special collars around their necks. If they attempt to remove their collars or fail to meet the time limit of their mission, the collars will self-destruct. Now, I this this is an, anime exists in an interesting place because we discussed like you cannot be cyberpunk if you're a cop, right? Um so on its on its face, you know, it might seem like this one should be disqualified because like oh they're working with the cops, right? But the relationship between the convicts and the cops is extremely confrontational at all times. Um and because of that, I think you can pretty fairly uh consider this to be told from the story perspective of the punk. Um it just so happens that the punk in this case has been incarcerated um, and is being forced to basically like fight for their freedom, right? Um, this uh, this story is is super interesting. Um, I I think if you're coming from if if I had to pick any anime out of this list for you to watch immediately after Cyberpunk Edge it would be this one. Yeah this this sounds really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, best boy, Dan, do you want to read the next one?
0: Yeah, uh up next we have Blame. Um which I I don't know why but I've seen it in like the, you know, anime scrolls and every time I look at it I just think Blame. Blame. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a young girl named Zuru sets out on an expedition through a post-apocalyptic city controlled by machines in a desperate hunt for food. Things go awry when her team accidentally triggers the city's AI defense program, called the Safeguard. Attacked by the machines, her companions are on the verge of being annihilated when a mysterious man named Killy arrives and exterminates the hospital units. Despite his heroic intervention, Zuru... Uh, is hesitant to trust Killy and questions his motives. He reveals to have come from thousands of levels below the city in an order to find humans processing the net terminal genes, uh, a trait that would allow humans to regain control over, of their civilization and shut down the safeguard. After hearing his story, Zuru and the rest of his team join Killy and embark on a journey in search of genes that could prove to be mankind's last hope for survival. um, yeah
1: so this one I actually I read the manga for it before I ever saw the movie the movie is really good definitely worth watching it is a movie by the way I don't don't know if that was clear Um, this one is kind of in a grey area for cyberpunk um, and this is not necessarily because of the punk side of it but because of the cyber side of it so you could make an argument that it's not high tech it's post tech because it is kind of like a post apocalyptic world as opposed to a dystopia um, so it, there is room for debate on this one, but it's so good that I'm gonna allow it on this list. Um yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. Um, next up we have serial experiments Lane. Um, Lane Iwakura, an awkward and introverted 14 year old is one of the many girls from her school to receive a disturbing email from her classmate Chisa Yomura. The very same Chisa who recently committed suicide. Lane has neither the desire nor the experience to handle even basic technology. Yet when the technophobe opens the email, it leads her straight into the wired, a virtual world of communication networks similar to what we know as the internet. Lane's life is turned upside down as she begins to encounter cryptic mysteries one after another. Strange men called the men in black begin to appear wherever she goes, asking her questions (laughs) and somehow knowing more about her than she even knows herself. Uh, with, the, with the boundaries between reality and cyberspace rapidly blurring, Lane is per, uh, plunged into more surreal and bizarre events where identity, consciousness, and perception are concepts that take on new meanings. Written by Chiaki J. Konoka, uh, whose other works include Text Lies, Serial Experiments, Lane is a psychological avant-garde mystery series That follows Lane as she makes crucial choices that will affect both the real world and the wired. In closing one world and opening another, only Lane will realize the significance of their presence. Um, Now I'm going to warn you, best buds, this show is a complete mindfuck. If you're sensitive to this kind of thing, I would recommend maybe skipping this one. Uh, It is extremely psychological in nature. The first time I watched it, I was probably too young for it, and it really did my head in for a while. Um, so that's my little caveat on this one. Keep be careful with this one.
0: Yeah, um, this next one is a little less intense. Yes, um, that's Akudama Drive. Uh, The bustling metropolis of Gansai where cybernetic screens litter the neon landscape may seem like a technological utopia at first glance but in the dark alleys of the brightly lit buildings an unforgiving criminal underbelly still exists in the form of fugitives known as Akudama. No stranger to these individuals, Kansai police begin the countdown to the public execution of the infamous Akudama Cutthroat, guilty of killing 999 people. However, a mysterious message is sent to several elite Akudama, enlisting them to free Cutthroat for a substantial amount of money. An invisible hand seeks uh, to gather these dangerous personas in one place, ensuring the execution is well underway to becoming a full-blown bloodbath." Um, this show's great. Um, it hits pretty much all of the things we've talked about. Yeah,
1: absolutely, uh, and it does so in and I think a show. very intentional way. Um, this show, I feel like, exists on a different um, part of the spectrum of cyberpunk from uh, Edge Runners. Edge Runners is is probably the way grittier, darker, more um, severe cousin to what this show is. Which don't get me wrong, is gory and violent. But it, it, it's not as, how do I put it? It's not as dark as Runners can It's more be. cartoonish. Yeah, it is more cartoonish. It is more stylized. Um, and, to, you know, th- none of that is to Which, take like, away... Take
0: cartoonish with a grain of, of salt. Yeah. It's not like Tom and Jerry yeah. gore. It's, it's still gory, but it's not like gritty realism. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: And, and none of that is to, to take anything away from the show. It is a, a good show. It is a good distillation of cyberpunk. Um, it's just very different from Edge Runners,
0: um, and it's based off Shadow Run, so it's like yeah, yeah, you know, just straight up based off of uh, you know, Cyberpunk. Yeah, it it know, is basically tabletop game.
1: It is well, it is the cousin. So like it, Cyberpunk, which is actually the name of the role playing game, and Shadow Run kind of exist also in this kind of contrast to each other. So it is it is a perfect distillation of the the of Akudama Drive. Versus cyberpunk um, compared to uh, Shadowrun versus cyberpunk, right? So like sh- Shadow uh, Shadowrun tends to be very role oriented, right? So like you have a more clearly distinct set of jobs right so you have like
0: the brawler yeah you you got the brawler the drone
1: rigger the medic you've got very well defined roles whereas in edge runners it's more concrete or it's less concrete it's less um set in stone um
0: it's like video game builds in a sense exactly yeah
1: um so that's kind of where the the relationships between these kind of shows uh kind of run together um, and finally, I said that this list wasn't in any kind of order, but I lied because I'm a liar <laughs> who lies, best buds. Um, because the last one on this list is actually, in my opinion, the number one cyberpunk anime that currently exists, um, and that is Akita. Which if yeah, definitely. if you've never <laughs> seen it, oh God, you need to fix yourself because uh, I just learned uh, best person Cat hasn't seen it. Oh, you gotta get her. You gotta get her to watch because. She will love it. This, this is probably, not even just of cyberpunk anime, but of sci-fi anime in general, this is a classic masterpiece, right? Um, so for those of you who don't know, uh, Akita, Japan, 1988, an explosion caused by a young boy with psychic powers tears through the city of Tokyo and ignites the fuse that leads to World War Three. In order to prevent any further destruction, he is captured and taken into custody, never to be heard of again. Um, now in the year 2019, a restored version of the city known as Neo-Tokyo, an area rife with gang violence and terrorism against the current government, stands in its place. Here, Shotaro Kaneda leads the Capsules, a group of misfits known for riding large custom motorcycles and being in constant conflict with their rivals, the Clowns. Um... During one of these battles, Shotaro's best friend Tetsuo Shima is caught up in an accident with an esper who finds himself in the streets of Tokyo after escaping confinement from a government institution. Through this encounter, Tetsuo begins to develop his own mysterious abilities as the government seeks to quarantine this latest psychic in a desperate attempt to prevent him from unleashing the destructive power that could once again bring the city to its knees. Um... This movie, man, if you've never seen it, you should... The very first thing you should do after you get off of from <laughs> listening to this podcast is follow us on Instagram. Uh, and then after that, <laughs> you should watch Akira. Because this is a classic anime film, man.
0: This is a classic film, period. Now, I, I, I honestly, I have an unpopular opinion in that, personally... I'm not a huge fan of Akira and not in the sense that I don't think it's a good movie just in that like it didn't hit for me it's not like a a film that I like love the story however it is a film that I fully appreciate as one of the like most important works of film of our time absolutely um you whether or not you've seen this and it's a movie i can re-watch just on those merits um like my disliking of it is just like a personal like the story just didn't resonate with me personally um but i love the movie as just a work of film and you can see how it's inspired so many things since
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, even if you haven't seen this movie, you have absolutely seen imagery from it. You have either seen the image of Kaneda and his motorcycle, you've seen a patch that has a little pill on it, that's something from this show. Like, this has had such a a cultural impact um, that it is impossible to have not engaged with it on some level, whether you knew it or not. Um, so now you know it, and you should go watch it if you haven't. And if you have, maybe it's time to watch it again.
0: Yeah, like there would not be uh, Stranger Things without Akira. There would
1: not be Stranger Things without Akira. There would not be Cyberpunk Edgerunners Runners without Akira.
0: Oh, for sure. You know, like this,
1: the all of the all of the cyberpunk shows on this list, with the possible exception of Cyber City 080808, um, exists on the shoulders of Akira.
0: Yeah, like it, it, it is a magnificent film, and like I cannot, you know, spout its praises enough.
1: Yep, but that about does it for our episode this week. Um, you know, uh, let us know what you think. If you've seen any of these anime on our list, did you watch Cyberpunk Edge Runners? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Um, are you mad at me because I said some of your favorite shows are not Cyberpunk, and I was objectively correct about that? Um, you can let us know hit us up on instagram at best boys underscore pod you can send us an email at thebestboyspod at gmail.com we would love to hear from you thank you very much for tuning in to this week's episode of the best boys um, and uh, until next time